Welcome to Black Millennial Investors, Money Mindfulness with Andrew Dumas. I am Dustin Dumas, and I am excited to get this podcast launched with you. You have an interesting story of how you got involved in finance and founding BMI. First of all, can you share a little bit about your personal background? Yeah, sure, Dustin. Hey, thanks so much for uh, uh, sort of interviewing me and, and helping me to launch this uh, BMI Money Mindfulness podcast. Um I guess the answer to your first question, uh, you know, how I, you know, my, my background and, and, and how it correlates to me getting involved with uh, and starting uh, Black Millennial Investors. Uh, I, I guess, you know, um, just from, uh, from my, my personal history, you know, I grew up, you know, uh, as I, I was like the, this funny film called The Jerk. And this character says, uh, I was born a poor black child. And that, and that was really sort of my experience as well. I mean, it was funny in the film because it was a white character. Uh, it, was, it was sort of funny, but but for me, it was it was like that was my experience. I mean, I grew up, you know, and, and with a family that had you know a number of different financial struggles. I mean, I was raised by a single mother. Uh, who, uh, she was a school custodian and a housekeeper and a cook to some very wealthy people in our community. Uh, what I call like high net worth people, and but her most significant job was working for the bank president of our local community. And, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, uh, and I always was so impressed with their lifestyle. I mean, they had the big cars and, the, you know, big homes and, and they went to restaurants and ate. And, and I was really sort of enamored with 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 that lifestyle, as well as one of my television shows that I love watching as a kid called the Beverly Hillbillies. There was a guy there named uh, Milburn Drysdale. And he was a banker. He had lots of money and lots of you know, schemes and different ways in which he wanted to capitalize and keep generating a lot of uh, money and lots of wealth. And so you know, those were the types of uh, people that I, I saw with, you know, uh, with their life, their success, their experiences uh, was like, oh, you know, I really want that. That's what I really want. But, you know, that was a far cry from how I was growing, how I grew up. I mean, because I, I, I grew up really in a trailer. Uh, and, uh, and we initially, we lived in a trailer park and, uh, we, uh, and I still, you know, can, I can see the trailer today. It was a, about a 750 square foot, you know, single wide trailer. Everything was, I mean, the linoleum floors, the, the, uh, all the surfaces had, you know, avocado colors or 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 harvest gold colors, uh, and, uh, and it was just in the shag carpet, uh, green, I believe, a uh, 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 shag carpet there, and and very thin. Uh, uh, thin walls and covered in uh, like basically uh, a thin type of a plywood type of a sort of a structure. Uh, so it wasn't really very like uh, visually uh, enticing or attractive. Uh, but the, also that trailer had lots of joy, lots of love, lots of laughter, and uh, because we had a warrior mom who was a single mom, but she's a warrior mom who who really. You know, invested in us and poured poured into us and you know um and and set up a a vision for her life that like even though we lived in the trailer uh park uh, we were not of the trailer park if you if you would uh, uh because you know also what i learned later in life uh that you know we were one of the she was the only person who actually owned her trailer in that trailer park 
And so she always knew that there was something valuable about ownership. And so uh, so she, she owned her trailer and, and ultimately she was able to, you know, uh, uh, you know, buy her own uh, uh, buy her, pro- her own property to put her trailer on. And she did that, and she accomplished. She set goals. She has intentions. She set goals, and uh, she was able to, you know, uh, buy her property, and then ultimately, you know, uh, she was able to sell that trailer and, you know, build her home on the property that she, you know, that she acquired while she was working these meager jobs, meager salary jobs as custodian or as as a uh, as a. Uh, a housekeeper and a cook for for wealthy families, but she had her intention in her mind that you know it's important to own, you know, uh, own things, own property, and uh, and and this is from a woman who didn't have a high school degree. She didn't. She never finished high school because she you know, back then she had to help support uh, support her family. Uh, and so, uh, so that that was sort of my, that was my my upbringing. That's that's how I, that's how I grew up. And as a part of that lesson that you know from growing up uh, with with uh, uh, quote my warrior mom, uh, uh, if you will, keeping us out of trouble, but also making us focus on education, even though she didn't graduate high school herself. Focusing on education, but also more importantly, you know, focusing on you know uh, there are opportunities out there that you just have to hustle and and, and go and get it. And in the process, be grateful for things being as good as they are, even in the midst of what doesn't appear to be good or, or, or anything to be grateful for. She had this mindset of quote, an attitude of gratitude, if you will, that even no matter how things appeared, she was going to be grateful. And so so that, that sort of with the education, the attitude of gratitude, and then seeing her set goals for herself on her, you know, with her meager salary, uh, and and being able to achieve goals—that sort of was uh, very impactful for me in my formative years and shaping who I am today. Okay, so let's go on to the education. How did your education? How did that journey help you develop this mindset of abundance and wealth and and everything else? Yeah, well, as I, you know, growing up in a small town in, in North Florida, you know, this beach town, and uh, we were, you know, not a significant amount, a large black population, but most of the black people in my town work, you know, working in jobs that were, you know, shift type of work. Uh, they were. Um, not you know, I guess financially you know uh, well off if you will, uh, but they they uh, many of them had significant work ethic, but we all but I also I could see that the, the, in my town the people who were um, quote successful from my perspective uh, were people who had you know been educated. There were the teachers, there were the nurses, there were there were the the the, the, the few lawyers. Um, and, and, and a few doctors in our community, and those people were sort of, I guess, subconsciously was you know their their expression of their life sort of subconsciously impacted me to think, hey, if I want to have something different than a trailer or or something different than you know uh, as I was growing up, I I need to maybe focus on education. And the other side of it was for me as a, as a kid, I wasn't a great athlete. But I was, you know, I was a, uh, you know, uh, I was ended up doing 
pretty well at school. And I was one of these kids so young. I was bullied. I was tormented and tortured. But at some point, some of the kids figured out, well, you know what? Maybe we can treat, cheat off of his paper. <laughs> so we're going to be nice to him. <laughs> so, and, so, and so I ended up developing relationship with, with, with some of the, the kids who are my tormentors based upon they felt like, you know what? Uh, we can pass his class if we're friends with him. And so, uh, and so, and so, my my uh, trajectory socially really expanded by the time I'm in high school because I was seen as that smart kid, and 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 the kids who bullied and tormented me uh, up throughout middle school, uh, they became my allies and friends. Like nobody better mess with him. Don't mess with him <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> because, you know, they knew that I, even though I wasn't good on the field, I was good on the, on the classroom field, if, if, if you will. And also that they could benefit. And so, uh, so that changed. And, uh, and so I kept focusing and I became quote, one of these popular kids because I realized that, you know, even though I wasn't, you know, great, you know, athletically, you know, uh, I was this nerd kid. I was able to, you know, uh, 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 transcend my social circles in school based upon what people perceived me as being a, a smart, dedicated student. And that translated into also socially, I mean, I, I was a homecoming king. I mean, this is a kid who was beat up on. And <laughs> I mean, it, it translated into impacting me socially as well. So I, I just knew that education was going to be my ticket by looking at those people of note in my community who had what I believe uh, perceived as being success financially. But I also uh, saw that my experience in high school uh, uh, transcended my experience in middle school, where I was seen as a smart kid, but it, not only socially, where I was now invited to quote the rich kids' homes. I was invited to interact and have experiences, you know, from everything from traveling to Europe as a kid to, you know, uh, to uh, being uh, taken to, out to dinners, as well as then ultimately getting scholarships uh, to go to college. I mean, I was the first one in my family to get a full four-year scholarship to go to college, uh, which really sort of set me on a trajectory. But I also knew in my mind's eye that I didn't want to be broke. I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be poor. And so I really saw education was fundamental in uh, helping to set me self, myself up for the types of life, for the type of life I wanted. And and so that, and then my mother really uh, instilling in us uh, the uh, the value of, of education and that that would open up doors and opportunities for me. Okay, so were there any specific strategies or techniques that you used? You had your experience growing up, you had your educational experience, you had the experience of being around adults that you felt were mentors, even if they weren't formally your mentors. What types of strategies and techniques did you use? Well, um, even even though I had, you know, as you said, these mentors and other people in my life to help support me and to guide me and uh, getting, uh, becoming educated, if you will, I, you know, uh, the, the strategies and the techniques I didn't really start employing, you know, other than getting an education, strategies to start, you know, creating 
income and wealth until, of course, after after college and then law school. And uh, for me, with both of those, uh, college and law school, law school was like, okay, how can one strategy? How can I become more financially free and and have more money? So I chose to go into law school, for example, that would, you know, as as a quote ticket to help me to excel financially. Uh, But uh, so with that education definitely helped because it gave me a perspective of, of how organizations are run, how companies are, are ran. Also gave me a, a, uh, a, a, a I guess a, a perspective that you know uh, you can use you know various you know tools to actually build structures around your goals from uh, for for creating wealth. Um, the, uh, but, but the other strategies that as I, you know, uh, got older were things like just reading books, going to seminars, going to workshops, uh, you know, uh, really, um, uh, looking in, looking at other successful people and, and asking and inquiring of them, Hey, how did they ha- achieve their respective goals? And so, uh, so those are some of the strategies I use. I mean, I learned about budgeting. I learned about, you know, uh, apps you know, as I've gotten older. I've learned about you know, other uh, tools uh, that typically, um, I, those aren't things I learned you know, learned as a kid because, you know, learning about, you know, learning about strategies to um, succeed financially wasn't a part of the curriculum. Uh, nor was it a part of the you know, curriculum at home either. The, the curriculum was you know, go to school, get educated, but real details on how to become financially independent, financially wealthy, uh, and have financial success. Yeah, that wasn't something that was that was taught to me, uh, you know, at, at school or at home. And so um, I had to really pick up many of those things as I went along. I mean, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't create a budget for my first time until I'm in my 30s. I mean, and this is a guy who's you know has been through education, a formal college education. I mean, it just wasn't something that was naturally a part of my experience. And so, uh, but but those are tools that you know you you have to pick up. You have to have an understanding of of your. Uh, activities uh, and decisions about money. And so you can only do that by doing some deliberate uh, planning analysis uh, and, and implementing some strategies to, 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 to sort of create, to, to create wealth. And so uh, those, those are some of the things I did, you know. Uh, okay. So I'm sure during your, you know, during this experience of, you know, school, everything, you know, going to just your um, professional experience, you must have had some challenges to overcome. Can you tell us some of those challenges and how you were able to overcome them? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Gosh, uh, the the list could go on and on. The challenges, the challenges as well as as well as some of the, the missteps and failures. Uh, I mean, I mean, so some of the I mean, some of the challenges are as simple as, you know, well, Learning uh, to prioritize my own independent financial health and and, and financial well being. I mean, uh, for for example, I, I have a friend who who says like you know when individuals go to college you know, who, who grew up poor go to college get advanced degrees and start making money you make that first six figure salary uh, you almost feel as if you, an obligation to 
to, to help you know, your other family members and close friends who are you know struggling uh, with with their respective finances. I mean, Aunt Susie needs her lights turned on. You know, I mean, uh, baby needs a new pair of shoes. Uh, I, I mean, the the, uh, the you know the rent needs to be paid. You know, and so you feel an obligation because you know these are the people you love. These are your beloved, your people in your community, and you feel an obligation, and you want to say, "I got you, I, I I got you." But you know, but the reality is that what my friends called it the black tax. You know, for, 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 it, that's an additional tax that people of color who quote made it out, made it out of the dis, uh, the disadvantaged economic uh, uh, position, and so but we were having this black tax because we were taking care of our own. But what I did and many others sometimes we do that uh, at the detriment of our own financial well-being. And so it's important to prioritize your own financial well-being, you know, uh, and, you know, before you can, you know, uh, start helping others. I mean, it's noble to help, you know, you know, yeah, big mama may need something, but, you know, big mama is going to really love you when you take care of your own first, if you, if you will. And so it's, it's really important, uh, to prioritize. And then also for me, um, with these missteps and failures and other things that happen, I had to learn also to, you know, have some self-compassion, you know, uh, because, you know, I didn't grow up with the, the the manual of how to become wealthy in this country. You know, I didn't, that wasn't a part of my you know, upbringing, upbringing. So as I said, it was in my thirties before I started even made a budget for the first time. So, uh, and so I self-compassion, forgive myself for the mistakes. And then also, you know, I decided I'm going to learn from those so I can make better decisions. And also that I can, you know, also impart those failures, those missteps to, to my, to my, to my children and to my family so they can learn from my experiences. But more importantly, you know, well, uh, realize that yesterday's gone and I can do something different now. And so uh, that's that's like one example of my many sort of failures, but also how uh, how how I really decided to turn those things around uh, by you know uh, really really uh, uh, changing my perception on those failures and and how I can forgive myself and move on. I mean that's that's one way, but uh, but another uh, another important uh, what I think is even with the education and the tools, you still make missteps because you all, I also found out that the education and the tools alone weren't sufficient enough for me to make some changes in my financial uh, sphere and my financial and in my finances. Cause I also had another uh, issue I had to deal with. And that was that in my mind, I was still this poor kid in this 1970s trailer living paycheck to paycheck, you know, uh, that, that, that was my experience. And, and I wasn't planning, uh, a, a budget, budgeting wasn't planned. Budgeting wasn't a part of it. I mean, my mother would make $10 last a week. It's, and that wasn't about budgeting. That's what she had. So, so that, that wasn't, that wasn't about budgeting. Like you're going to make it work. 
And so we were, I was always being uh, sort of reactive instead of proactive in my finances. And so as a result, and that was ingrained in my mind. And so I had to start questioning my mindset about my relationship with money. Because growing up you know, poor and having a sense of lack and scarcity, that, that I realized that that was also a part of my today's consciousness, even though I was making six figures and I was doing, you know, uh, and, and on a, you know, a road path to make significantly more. But that mindset had to had to be changed. So I had to start working on how am I going to you know, change my mindset? And so I started reading books also about mindset and, and, uh, and, and also getting more you know, sort of aware and attuned with uh, how, frankly, people of color have been traumatized by the financial system in this country. I mean, we, we, uh, and, and that, that trauma has been impacted our mindset. And so there are things I had to start doing to, to heal my mind, heal my consciousness so that I could start moving forward financially in a way that's aligned with my dreams, my goals, and my desires. Okay. That's, that's very interesting. Was there a, spe- a particular turning point or experience that led you to create Black Millennial Investors? Well, I wouldn't say it's one specific experience. It's, you know, it's a, a combination of just a, a, a living life in the U.S. as a black man or or growing up as a, as a, po- a, a poor black child, you know, uh, and, and seeing the, the impact of what I would, you know, call uh, systematic, you know, government-sponsored uh, racism financially uh, for, for people of color. I mean, from everything when you when when uh, just being being aware of what's what's in our what financial products and services that are offered and targeted towards people of color in this country, everything from like uh, payday lending, you know, uh, they're, they're the um, subprime mortgages, you know, rent to own furniture. Those are the things that are in our community from a financial services perspective. And then, and, and I saw that strat contrast because you know, I worked, you know, in, in banking for a number of years and a senior executive at a global uh, financial institution. And that wasn't what the focus was for, for the others, but that was the focus and targets for, for people of color in our, in our communities. And so, you know, seeing that, growing up poor, seeing the products and services that were offered to people of color, really understanding the history of, of racism from a financial perspective, where, uh, where, where uh, even you know, during slavery, I mean, uh, we were we were uh, taken advantage of economically. We were free labor, but you know, but even today. Uh, you know, uh, some of the products that are you know there for uh, people in the black community are things that take advantage of us. The the uh, like I said, those payday lending, those subprime loans where you can't get out of the, the uh, so uh, so understanding you know that history as well as seeing that history repeating itself from a slavery to all the way to to, to today, where you even hear about recently you know, banks are asking people what co- a credit union I won't name the name of it uh, asking people of color and people what color uh, their race as a part as a part of their application for a loan i mean it, it, w- w- yeah that's you know uh, 
just a part of a continuing uh, problem in this country with, you know, uh, uh, individuals of color being denied access uh, to own property, to, to build businesses, to get capital, uh, to get mortgages uh, at f- affordable rates. And so seeing that as well as my experience and how it has hampered many individuals. I mean, my my mother was one of the lucky ones in her experience. She was the one who bought her trailer and then was able to move and buy her land and, and but she had even hard times getting a mortgage, you know, uh, to, to buy uh, the house. But luckily, she worked for a bank president, so you know, and she was a single woman in the uh, a single mother in the seventies, uh, and, and so a, a female and a black female getting access to you know, the, the mortgage money was it wasn't happening for uh, uh, people, her friends, and and people that she knew that were similarly situated. But she was able to do it because they made an exception because of you know her relationship with the with the bank president who she was the housekeeper and cook for you know uh, so but but that wasn't that wasn't the story so seeing uh, how she had to even struggle to get access to money to have a mortgage but also seeing that still happening in today's society really sort of helped me to you know think you know or more than just you know uh, calling out. Of uh, the uh, discrepancies and and the the racism in this country, we also have to call out uh, what we can do differently uh, in our communities to actually impact, you know, our financial uh, 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 ability to to achieve and, and grow wealth. And so, th- those are some of the things that I really uh, uh, that I experienced that I really want motivated me to, to, you know, to get involved in the space. And so for Black Millennial Podcast, what are some of the topics that you will be covering? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to, it's going to be a, a variety of topics, everything from in, uh, budgeting, investing, retirement planning, uh, you know, becoming, a, uh, becoming an, uh, an entrepreneur. I mean, uh, and I quote, and having a side hustle. You know, because, you know, uh, because I learned the hard way. Sometimes if you put all your eggs in one basket, you know, uh, as, as, uh, as my mother, mother and some other, other old relatives would say, uh, that's probably not a good strategy financially. So you have to diversify, not only diversify in what you're investing in when you get to a point of investing, but also diversify in how you're generating income, you know, uh, being, we're taught for many years in this country to go to work and have a job and that be and and get your gold uh, watch at the end of twenty twenty five years or so. But that's not the reality of the life we live now. You know, uh, and so, if you're putting all of your hopes and dreams and your financial security within one basket, meaning i.e. a job, you know, uh, uh, you you leave yourself open to. Uh, to the significant risk for you and your family. And so, you know, getting a, uh, getting a side hustle, well, we'll focus a lot on that as well. But more importantly, I think the big uh, component we'll, we'll, we'll discuss, in, including uh, the, the, the history of finance in this country for people of color, but, uh, but also 
our mindset based upon our experiences and how how our mindset has been uh, impacted based upon our uh, our, our experience uh, within the uh, financial industry. And so uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna focus on that and look at tools that people can can use to you know to start to reshape their mind. We, 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 we shape their consciousness and speak life into their dreams and desires. I mean, I, I, I learned years ago as well that I had to start speaking over my own life and my own self and like saying affirmations to myself. I mean, I mean, like one, I, one I use constantly. I mean, God's good is mine. I step forward in faith and claim my good and I am safe, happy, prosperous, free, and wise, and sort of saying that to yourself, uh, speaking over your life, speaking over your experiences, to start retraining and recalibrating your mind. Uh, you know uh, that that really uh, I found helpful for me, because we as people of color in this country are com- constantly bombarded with negative images, ne- negative tapes in our head, negative processes, negative policies that can impact our ability to. Uh, inherit what really is ours that divinity that 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 that, that dream that 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 is ours and it's not just about our goals i mean goals we can strive towards goals but those dreams are things that are put in your heart that you want to open a business you want to start a business you're dreaming about it uh, you you want to you know build a, uh, a a huge house for your family on some you're dreaming about it those are those are things that are imparted into you into your spirit that's more than just checking the box on something but you also get these other tapes like no you can't do that i mean as a kid i got these tapes of i can't do that i can't go to europe and live in a trailer i can't uh have experiences that were quote be above my station if you will uh and so and so but so but you, through experience, retraining your mind, stepping out on faith, you know, uh, uh, and, and and doing doing the work uh, that's in line with your respective goals. I mean, I I, I talk to some of my uh, colleagues and friends sometimes about uh, ways in which they can sort of change their perspective, and I I do a, I do a a, um, a, a a, a workshop through Black Loan Investors that that really engages people to not only set goals but also to uh, 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 ways in which they can activate and and, and work towards uh, uh, activities that are in line with those goals. And so those those are some of the things that 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 that, that, that we do and that we will continue to do uh, uh, in, in in this and not only in uh, our work our our five hundred one c three nonprofit. Like new investors, but also really want to share that on this podcast. Okay, so that dovetails into my next question, which is: Can you give us examples of people who have been to Black Millennial, Black Millennial Investor events and their success stories? Oh yes, yes. I'm, we're we're so proud of just the work that we've we've been able to do. Everything from giving, uh, uh, doing a workshops. Uh, for example, uh, last year we had a workshop on uh, men of color uh, uh, investing in entrepreneurship. And through that workshop, it engaged uh, we engaged a number of, of, of individuals of color at different different career paths, and also uh, some of them are tradesmen. 
I mean, everyone doesn't when I say education, education is a big word. You don't have to be a good a college degree uh, for education. Some of these guys were tradesmen. Some of these guys were financial executives. Some of these guys were you know, franchise owners uh, or, or, or striving to become uh, franchise owners. And so uh, the, the work we, we've done has uh, allowed individuals to create their own uh, independent businesses, you know, really championing them and creating their own LLCs for their respective uh, entities, helping them to set up the strategies around how do you put yourself in a place where you can get access and not only do your financial planning, but also get access to capital and access to resources and to build a community of other like-minded individuals who are you know, uh, striving for that same financial liberation, if you will. Uh, and so so th- those are the things we, we're doing, a, a number of, of individuals who are doing that work, as well as we're so happy that we uh, we are able to sponsor uh, individuals who are, are pursuing their respective uh, education by offering scholarships. Uh, we have a scholarship called uh, Backpack to Briefcase that we we, uh, we give out uh, annually. And uh, that's the, just a, a small token of our sewing into the lives of these individuals of towards they're uh, creating their own uh, financial legacy, if you will. And so we're, we're, we're just thrilled to do that work. That's, that's wonderful. Um, one last thing before we leave, can you tell people how to get in touch with you and how people can find out more about Black Millennial Investors, whether the podcast or the organization itself? Yeah, well, um, you can find out Black Black Millennial Investors on our website www.blackmillennialinvestors.com or uh, our Instagram handles, our 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 Twitter, our LinkedIn pages. They are all linked in our website, and so you can go to our, our website for that information. Also, there's a schedule of upcoming events and workshops that we, we produce, you know. Uh, uh, every year. Uh, so you can take a look there and then register for any of the workshops uh, uh, that, that we have. Uh, so those those are the primary ways in which you can get, get in touch with us. Thank you, Andrew, for introducing us to Black Millennial Investors. Thank you so much, Dustin. And I, I really look forward to uh, you uh, uh, sort of participating in our journey here. I, 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 I'm corralling you to be a co-host on many of our segments. And so we are looking forward to that collaboration. And I'm just so grateful for not only you, but our other uh, uh, co-host, Anthony, who's uh, working as a producer on this episode. Uh, but just thanking you both for your commitment to actually uh, helping to change the, the path and to impact the lives of, of people of color in this country from, a, from, our, from our financial well-being. I want all listeners just to remember, uh, keep your mind on your money and your money on your mind. I'm Andrew Dumas. Thanks, Dustin, and I'm out. The Black Millennial Investors Podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies that will help you make conscious decisions aligned with your goals. We are not licensed or authorized to provide financial advice, so please consider your own situation or get advice before you make any decision based on anything in our podcast. Visit our website at www.blackmillennialinvestors.com. To learn more about legal disclaimers and access our terms and conditions, go to our website. 
Thanks for listening to Black Millennial Investors Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's inaugural episode of Black Millennial Investors Podcast. If you would like more information on any of our stories or would like to know how to get involved and share your story, head over to our website at www.blackmillennialinvestors.com to find links to our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn pages. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred web streaming platform and leave a five-star review so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode.